always been fascinated by talking to creative people, those who think differently, understand uniquely, and see the world in their own way. Now don't get me wrong, I love what creatives produce, but often, the story behind the story is what really inspires me, because I want to know where ideas come from, because that's where the magic happens. That's the creative backstory. Welcome to the Creative Backstory. My name is Kelly Planer. I am your host. I am being joined in the booth by our engineer and producer, Alan Fleming, today. Hello, Alan. Hello, Kelly. But we have we have good reason for that, so I'll get to that in a second. Our our guest, our guest, Alan. Our guest. Is Carol Angstadt. She is an artist and a designer from Kutztown, Pennsylvania, very close to where we're recording at JuxtaHub today. For uh, 23 years, she specialized in graphic design, art direction, and project management. Believe it or not, I don't know, I don't care who you are or or how unarty you feel. You have seen Carol's work. She is the designer for uh, the uh, South Beach Diet series of books. She's done tons of cookbooks, and she has also designed. Uh, Rodale's largest selling quilting title, The Quilter's Ultimate Visual Guide, that has over 200,000 copies in print. And Carol tells me that uh, the internet says that over 22 million copies of the South Beach Diet have been out there. So you've seen Carol's work, you just didn't know it. So uh, let's see, I had an intro here and then I just went off the side. Oh, Carol has also designed the Juxtahub B logo, which is super exciting and kind of how I met her. Um, she is in her spare time now that uh, she is a freelance designer, so still does that work. But she is also a gifted painter and a jewelry maker, which brings me to a topic I've spent tons of time thinking about over my life, namely the difference between creativity at work and creativity in life. So Alan and I have worked together, and we've been friends for a long time, so he has lots to say on this topic as well. So let's get going. Welcome, Carol. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. So I know this seems like a silly question, but I've spent my career listening to people come up and tell me, oh, your job is so creative. And that's nice, but really, to me, the creativity when you're a professional designer comes from pleasing a client and getting along with all the people who walk in and out of your life through the process of design. So I guess my first question for you is, what's the difference between professional creativity and personal creativity? We're jumping right in. You are. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I guess I'd say everything. Um, you know, most of my adult life, I've worked in a creative in quotes, job. Um, So I'm lucky to have done that and being able to have creativity in your workplace and as part of your job is great, but it's completely different from um, working for yourself or painting or whatever kind of art you're doing with no limitations. So let's break this down. Like maybe we'll talk about can we talk, tell me the story about designing. Is it, is it fair to talk about South Beach? Can it be talked about in um, a way that... Yes, it can Okay. <laughs> sometimes, well, it's always great when you have good clients and good coworkers, but sometimes it doesn't always work and you just kind of leave feeling a little angsty, you know, about right. projects. But if, if it's okay to tell, to talk about this process, I would love to hear about it. For sure. Um. So just in general, how I go about designing a book? Or, yeah. Yeah. That's it, yeah. Um, um, you know, each project is different, but in publishing, you know, you're dealing with uh, the author, the editor, um, you know, a whole group of salespeople, you know, so first everybody's trying to figure out, you know, what, how are we going to sell this book? What, you know, there's a lot of meetings and discussion about it. And with South Beach, you know, they felt real strong, strongly that it was going to be a big hit. So we had a big, that's actually an anomaly um, because we had a lot of designers working on that project. 
And um, I was actually very busy working on something else at the time. So I was watching everybody work on it and was able to soak in, you know, what was working, what wasn't working. But we, we did a lot of coverage for that book. Oh, I bet. How many do you think? Oh, <laughs> it's hard to say, but, you know, maybe as a group, at least 50. Um, but wow. I, I don't know for sure. Yeah. Shoot. That's a lot of coverage. So yeah. I'm curious about the relationship. Like how much say does, does an author typically have in a book design? Not a lot of say, actually. <laughs> I mean, it, it, again, it all depends. But um, definitely you listen to what they have to say and um, take that into consideration, and it feeds into the, the whole design of the project. But the sales team has a lot to say about it, you know. Oh, yeah, and they, they tend not to necessarily be the artistic people, and they really... They tell you truth in an interesting way, don't they? Right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. there's there's so many things in even a cover design that are magical to me. The choice of the font. Um, you know, it's how it's how it's stacked. Oh yeah. How it's and what's in the background and how that works with the the title. Right, yeah. I mean with author driven books, you know, sometimes we discuss you know, is the author someone we want to put on the cover? That's probably the first decision, you know. And um, after that, we, we just kind of run with it and throw out ideas. And we had a lot of meetings, go back to the drawing table, meet again. You know, maybe there's a photo shoot that has to happen or maybe the budget doesn't allow for that. So we, we used some stock images, um, you know, in the olden, olden days, there'd be marker comps and things like that. But, and I'm dating myself, but, you know, once desktop publishing and computers got into the game, the in-house client, which for me would be the editorial team and the marketing team, they want to see what is this thing really going to look like. So you're kind of having to mock it up for real before... You know, so if you're going to have a photo shoot, you have to find things that look like uh, what that's going to be and really convince everybody. And, you know, so that's challenging. Were there designs that you really loved that kind of got rejected along the line? Oh, yeah. I mean, there are designs. Uh, one book I did, I loved the cover. You know, I really felt proud of it. And then they changed the title, you know, and it just... <laughs> and you never... You, who sees that coming? Like, no one expects the Spanish Inquisition, you know? Right, like, right. It's just, <laughs> you just had to be open, really open to critique. And luckily in art school, I, you know, got the, my first taste of that and was, you know, we do things and then everybody in the room talks about it, you know, and tells you what they like and don't like and... If you can't ha hack that, don't be a designer because it's day in and day out. Oh, and, they're, yeah. and they're not always polite either. <laughs> That's true. Do you remember, I don't know if you can say it, do you remember like the best and worst things anyone ever said to you about a cover? Uh, I can't talk about it without yeah, using yeah. swear words. <laughs> <laughs> um, Did that kind of uh, criticism or critique make you better at what you were doing? Oh, it definitely kept, kept me and my fellow designers on our toes. Um, but I think there were times when it was detrimental, you know, a I lot agree. like if you think about coaches and sports, you know, the ones that scream at their players versus the ones that nurture them, it's going to be different for each of those players. So mm -hmm. what works for them? Um, one of my first jobs, um, not at Rodale, a different design job that the art director would, we'd lay all our printouts of our cover ideas on the table, and then he would just start flicking them off the table as he just, I mean, he wasn't, I think he was trying to be a little bit funny, but it would be like, nope, and he'd flick that one off the table, <laughs> keep flicking them off until we got down to a handful to discuss. So, yeah. Ouch. Yeah. I mean, 
it was all, you know, it's part of the business. Yeah, yeah. So how do you, how do you, do they teach you in college how to like, you know, put armor around your spine? <laughs> um, well, because I, I actually majored in fine art. And so my experience is mostly with that. And mm -hmm. like I said, we did do critiques of paintings and drawings and things like that. Yeah. So now that you're, you know, spending, able to spend more time doing art that you love for the sake of making your vision, how you doing? <laughs> That's a loaded question. Well, let's see. I'm, I've, it's been about five years since I left uh, full-time working um, in a company. And I'm telling you, it's taken me this five years, you know, to kind of nurture myself and try to figure out who I am. And as an artist, you know, after mostly working for other clients and oh. not for myself. So I did a lot of soul searching actually and you mentioned that you you took a lot of time to read a lot of self-help <laughs> I did I never oh my goodness my mother had a whole shelf of those when I was younger and I swore I'd never do it but it, it actually it was helpful that's great yeah that's really so I I sort of want to explore a little bit about and maybe Alan has some similar experiences like decompressing out of that kind of pressure job where you could just like, I like coral today. <laughs> I, I think it should be coral, you know. <laughs> Do you think uh, that that whole leaving, leaving a place where you were doing it, that five years that you spent uh, trying to process all of that, did it change what you found fulfilling, like in the artwork? Did it? Did you find that you had never painted kittens before, but, <laughs> but suddenly you saw beauty in them? Um, I think actually, I mean, it was a whirlwind. I was raising a family, you know, bringing in half half the income. I mean, it was just go, go, go. You know, for t my da oldest daughter's 29, so for 29 years it was about bringing home the bacon and then, you know, finding and then raising the family and all the interesting challenges that come with that. And getting some wins here and there at the job, you know, kind of pockets of, wow, you know, this was cool. It turned out the way I wanted it to and everybody likes it and so do I. And those, oh, that's a good day. Yeah, so those few wins were the bright spot. And, you know, the company I worked for had a good mission and everything. So I don't want to complain and say it was all bad, but I really, in thinking about it, I was doing that to make a living, you know? Yeah, and, and I, don't, I, don't hear, I don't hear complaint in that because there is, I think, the value in, in that creative career is you get to do things that oh yeah I mean so many good things and you know traveling you know I had so many great opportunities but um do you have a favorite book project that you loved mm, I did a book a cookbook called peace love and barbecue <laughs> and that was that was a good one I don't know it you know the typography on it was fun, and um, it was just all around good because it's barbecue. I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> right, and it sort of has that hippy-dippy vibe that, you know, it's fun. Yeah. 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 Well, this, this is a basic question I have for you, but um, what you were designing was rectangular, mm -hmm. either vertically or horizontally, how did you break out of making well, things question. that fit into that size? I mean, did you mean that ever, afterwards or while, yeah, while uh, I was designing? Well, when you were, was, was that you, frustrating you to you? <laughs> was, yeah, that's uh, true. That's an interesting question. <laughs> um, 
I mean, even with painting, I'm usually working with the rectangle. Um, and photography, you know? Yes. So that when you think about it, there's a lot of that, unless you were a muralist uh, or, you know, some of the other things I do, some crafts like sewing and... And I have to say, you're wearing a, a, a necklace that you made. It is also quite rectangular. That's true. And lovely. That is true. <laughs> it's a little irregular rectangle. But yeah, you know, in a way, and you all know this, but um, sometimes it makes it easier to have some restrictions, you know, because you're kind of, that presents the problem that you're trying to solve. Uh-huh. You know, so maybe... Boundaries are good. Yeah, yeah, so maybe with the rectangle, you're trying to lead the eye off the rectangle or maybe you know you're trying to show that it's closed in and you're pinpointing one spot or something in the middle right and Mm. I'm not a graphic designer but sometimes I have to play that role so and I know enough about photoshop to get me to the point where I'll sit there in my frame and move a photo like (laughs) 80 times is that normal to crop it yeah (laughs) yeah Well, it's normal for me. Okay, um, good. I I'm feel very uh, finicky. Uh, not, it's not normal for everybody, everyone. The, f- the fun thing in photography, though, is you can, whatever the focal point is for you, you can move that within the lens exactly. so that uh, maybe it's a flower and you're really just like really hung up on one petal and and you want to just focus on that thing and you just move ever so slightly and there's another perspective. But I guess if you're designing a book cover, it's like, no, I want the stuff in the middle. Thank you very much. Well, (laughs) yeah, I mean, no, that makes a good point. I think that's what all art and design and what they have in common is the visual hierarchy. And that's the artist and the designer's job to, you know, lead the viewer through the work, you know, and if it's something you're really focused on, you know, that's what you try to highlight. You know, with books, you, you, you have to work with the type as well. So that hierarchy comes into play. But like for a painting I did a while ago of a pair, that my favorite part about this, I took a photo of this pair on the floor and where the petal hit the stem there was just this little, I don't know, it was weird. It was just something I loved and how it just kind of hung on there. And then the painting kind of became about that. That was the focus. So I put that in the right spot in the painting so the viewers, you know, looking at that first. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It kind of happened. I didn't realize that's what I loved the most until I started working on it. And... um, I don't know. It's weird. You wouldn't. It just happened. Well, and I think I think a big part of process that's probably easier in art as life than art as career is sometimes you just have to go with the flow. And I know it's true with job as career, but it's totally different. The flow is people with different voices and flicks on the table. Yeah, just navigating the personalities and um, yeah, figuring out. You know, and there's also the survival of, you know, making sure you still have a job at, at the end of the day, you know. It's not right. always, you know, how can I be the most creative? It's how can I... Please. Work, yeah, please, and kind of figure out what's most important to the client or your in-house client. Yeah, yeah. So when did you when do you do your best work or did you did you do your best work under pressure when you were trying to meet client expectations or when you just started doing it for yourself? I think probably for myself and then those few moments when I had more freedom. Uh, one I would say when I was doing publishing the photo shoots were the where I have more control, you know, kind of, because at the end of the day, the photo that you end up with mm-hmm. is what you end up with, you know, and so all the brainstorming that went into it and being there on the fly, just kind of vibing with everybody that's at the shoot and 
and putting your heads together and, and making something in the moment, that was probably the best part of the job. And when yeah. I think I had some some really good outcomes. Yeah. And you worked with, uh, did you have a favorite photographer? <laughs> well, I uh, mostly worked with uh, Mitch Mandel, who was our in-house photographer, and he was um, great at kind of morphing to what the moment needed. And so we would brainstorm a lot. And then I, you know, sometimes would hire photographers for their particular look. But our in-house right. in photographer was always um, open to trying um, different things based on what the art directors needed at the time. Right. And was, that's another interesting thing about creativity in the professional world. Like, there are creatives you like to work with and creatives you find very challenging because it's like you're not speaking the same language, but you're pretty sure you're... You were very clear. <laughs> Does that ring true? You mean as the creative or as the person hiring the creative? Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, like if you're working with the photographer and you say, okay, I want my cell phone, but I want it at an angle so it's reflecting, you know, text that I'm going to, you know, but it has to look like it could exist in real space. And you get something that mm. is completely not what you asked for. To the letter of the law, maybe, but you're like, I thought we talked about right. this, you know. Well, luckily, I got to be there a lot of the time yeah. to guide that process, but um, yeah. It makes a big difference when you, when you, I don't know if it's speaking the same language or having a soul connection or like a creative connection that you just get each other. I think that's fun. Yes, definitely. You mentioned uh, using a particular f photographer because of his style mm -hmm. or design sense mm -hmm. as a designer of covers did people come to you because you had a certain sensitivity or a certain style that they liked um well i think uh the way it worked usually is you know we had a group of designers and we kind of did get niched a little bit you know some people some of the designers might have pushed for that kind of I would prefer to work on sports books for example um or you know if you had a success in a certain area yeah you might get assigned a similar topic to work on again so that did happen um but not always <laughs> yeah and that makes sense I like that um so let's talk about some of your your life now so you're still designing for clients but you kind of have some some freedom right I'm actually uh when I first uh left the company five years ago I dove pretty hard into freelance in the beginning mm -hmm. um but then you know, worked it out with the fam and kind of backed off a little bit and I'm doing it part-time. So that uh, really is a gift that um, I've been given to have a little bit more time to explore. Isn't it funny? Like, I think I spent so many years striving in a certain way to be creative in a in a job and then I don't know I mean for me when I started working for myself it was like I was it took some time and it wasn't easy I don't want to I don't want to say that but when I got to the point where I had a couple clients where I didn't have to I wasn't holding my breath because I had clients which I needed and I have a supportive structure at home which is amazing but then I don't know if this is what happened with you all of a sudden I'm getting clients that I really jive with and we're good together and we understand and they're not I don't have any of the struggles that that I did when I worked with this one over here I'm just kidding <laughs> no Alan was a good boss Alan was a great first boss to have right out of college and which is what he was but um you know I found, and I found my my backbone, like I was able to say things that 
were good things to say that I probably wouldn't have when I worked for. I think you let, it sounds like what you did, and that kind of happens to me too, when you let go. Yeah. And you decide, I'm not trying so hard to hang on to whatever this job is. um, You're opening yourself up for other opportunities, and you're not feeling that desperation. (laughs) You know, like, I just have to make it through the day so I can buy some bacon or whatever, you know. And then you do better work. I think so. Yeah, Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Or Or you put the work in the perspective that you're like, okay, this is... This is good. It's not, you know, nobody in this job, nobody's expecting a Pulitzer Prize winning piece of literature for a subhead, you know? Yeah, you kind of have, um, you're not so hard on yourself, maybe. I think some of that comes with age, though, too. I think so, too. I'm kind of, you know, I'm probably, I'm very happy now in where I'm at now, and I hope. I think you are. It feels like you are, too. Yeah, I'm getting there, for sure. Yeah. Still working on it. But, yeah. um, So, in addition to the self-help type stuff I was reading and everything, I did, um, I told you this before, um, took that Artist Way group experience, you know, where... Describe that for us. Yeah, so... uh, Julia, Cam- I think her first name is Julia Cameron. She wrote The Artist's Way. I think it was in the early 80s. I certainly didn't know anything about it, but I found out about a group that was meeting. It's kind of like a book group. And they do this, you know, all over. You could probably find, anybody could find a group like this. And um, you read a chapter and then you meet. And there's 12 chapters and you're meeting with other people who are, turns out there are a lot of neurotic artists out there (laughs) you know people have uh stumbling blocks for lots of reasons and so this book kind of was eye-opening to me because it made me realize you know it's not just me isn't that amazing yeah it was a it really was I don't know it was a turning point for me for sure I think of that just that exact thing is is I call it the great exhale (laughs) like when you realize oh okay I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, you know, I started, one of the things you have to do, or you don't have to, but um, she recommends uh, daily pages. So every morning you write, you know, three pages and you just write it. You don't think about it. You just write what's ever on your mind and the ideas you're doing kind of a dump in the morning so that you can free up your mind for other things. And... But in the meantime, you really start, you have to write something. So you start writing things and and revealing things to yourself that you didn't know you were, you know, thinking about. So it's pretty cool. I recommend it. (laughs) Three pages. How big are the pages? Well, are you worried about this? (laughs) You can write real big. (laughs) They do recommend you handwrite, not on the computer or anything. Very, Um. very, very. (laughs) (laughs) But I think once you, you know, I think, and, you know, when we talked to Lucky Platt on the creative backstory way back in the the early days, um, she kind of said something never a blank canvas and that really stuck with me so you know to think about something I bet there are mornings you get up and you're like I can't wait for my notebook because I got uh, you know I gotta talk Mm -hmm. (laughs) well for me um, I've never been I wouldn't say writing is my um, best skill and um, so when they said oh it doesn't matter you could just start writing your grocery list you know and the point is you just start writing and then and nobody can you know you kind of keep this all to yourself decide Mm -hmm. what you're going to do with it later (laughs) but um you know you start writing the grocery list and the next thing you know you're you're writing down your thoughts and if you do it every day you know a bunch of stuff comes out wow what have you learned through this process i'm not asking you to divulge any um I mean, one of my one of my stumbling blocks is I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. Uh, it runs in the family. 
I'm overly <laughs> analytical. I'm an overthinker. And so I, I think I started examining, well, what, why am I like that, you know? Um, and some of it has to do with your story, you know, how you grew up. You know, I think obviously some of it's biological, but um, you start seeing what your story is and, and how it compares to what you're trying to do. And I don't know, I'm still working it all out. But uh, I, I kind of, when I was working full time, going full steam ahead, raising the family, I used to think doing all that kind of stuff was self-indulgent, you know, oh. even like getting a massage. I'm like, come on, like, we got stuff to do here. <laughs> and now I, I don't, I'm the opposite. You know, I think it's very important, you know, taking care of yourself, trying to figure out what's going on inside your head so you can get out of your own way. I just wrote a blog post for some, for one of my clients about the practice of creativity. And I don't, I'm no expert, but you know, you've been around a little while, you learn a few things and you know, I've, I told my client, I'm like, look, I've read it, a million of these articles. This is just everything that they've said in some way, but it's my way of saying it. And she's like, no, nah, this will work. This is good. And I'm like, okay, okay, good. Because I think it's, you know, I think the practice of doing it every day and finding ways, which sounds like you're going through your thing. So what else yeah. did the book tell you? Um, that we should kind of, um, yeah, I mean, (laughs) some of the things I learned, this sounds kind of corny, but I did write some mantras down and, um, try to have some kind of a thing you do when you start, you know, kind of just, you know, just, I'm going to let myself create, you know, it's not the quality, it's the quantity, uh, things like that. You know, Mm -hmm. I wrote my personal mantras and, we did that as a group, and if we wanted to share it in the group, we did, and um, and that helped. And then I realized I was my mantras were so intense; they were like, "This is how I'm going to be creative if I do this, this, and that." <laughs> and then I, I'm like, "Wait a minute! I just have to write a few mantras that are more self-acceptance," you know. Oh. You know, so you just—it's like anything. If you start doing something, anything, just keep trying different things and I don't know so that was one thing and um what else did it reveal just um so many things I can't think of them all right now. yeah but I love the idea of of a mantra that you can kind of say to yourself that it's okay nobody's gonna die it's not brain right <laughs> <surgery>. right <laughs> I mean, I've always been, you know, like in art class, I would be the one covering my art until it was all done. You know, mm. don't show the art teacher till mm. it's done, which is a little uptight. So I'm working on right now trying to paint for what, what I actually what I just recently did is I painted something to hang in my own house just as because wow. I yes. needed something to paint. I needed something over that, you know, bed. So. That was really fun because I did something I knew I would like because I have to look at it every day, uh-huh. but it wasn't for anybody else. I didn't think I was going to sell it or put it in a show or anything like that, and um, I'm going to do more of that. I like that. So what did you paint? It was It's actually um, abstract. I have it on my Instagram feed. Three uh, 12 by 12 paintings. Um, I always have – I love – organic kind of um, botanical themes and this is kind of an abstract take on that but um, Mm -hmm. working on three paintings at one time was neat you know I just kind of did it and wasn't thinking so now do they work individually or are they meant to be seen as a three paintings together in this case uh, I think you could they work individually but they definitely work together Uh they were just fun I mean it's just and your painting style, um, y'all can look at Carol's work at carolangstadt.com. And uh, I'll have some pictures up on the Facebook page when we post this podcast. But uh, I love, like, 
you know, as I'm listening to you talk about, I was uptight. Your fo- your paintings are so zen, and there's this color palette where they're soft and, and unexpected. And at one point you painted, like, orange wedges, mm-hmm. and they're so beautiful. And um, But you Thank kind you. of have... You're welcome. Um, this very... It's funny, because, you know, it's this... The, you know, I don't, none of you, none of, nothing that I know of you seems to be uptight. And <laughs> you seem to have, you know, compartmentalized that little part of you is, you know, and I don't know when it comes out, but it's, your paintings are very relaxing. And even as, as Shay, who, who helps with uh, Juxtahub is our associate producer, who is, you know, fantastic and in the room just uh, not on the mic she when she acquired I hope this is okay if I say this acquired your painting like we talked about it for a long time and we talked about the detail and the color pat like we just you know <laughs> we covered it but it's it's all very zen and relaxing and do you want to talk about your your feeling about painting and you know so you see a lot of botanicals but you really you can parse them out and do them very differently, and there's some abstract things going on in the background. And yeah, I'm kind of trying to play with that. I I think um, I do have a tendency as I'm painting something, if it's in front of me, to start going more into the realism realm. And person, I know it, it's you know other painters do it in a great way and. I think it's amazing when it's done. However, it doesn't excite me as much, you know, but for some reason I keep going that direction. So um, it's always a push and pull for me, but I like the excitement of something more abstract. Mm -hmm. But also um, I like the idea of having some space so that you can see kind of what to look at first. You know, some abstract painting is just an overall vibe over the whole painting, and I I need a little visual space, I think. So it's a push and pull, and I'm still working it out. How does graphic design suit in to come into your when you're painting? And the other thing I want to ask is if you feel like you're both the client and the, you know, <laughs> the artist now. That's a really, really uh, good way to say it, because I think that's, exactly what it is you know I want to be right now I'm not trying to um, you know like make a living doing this so what I what I'm trying to do is make something that I like so I am the client you're right that's profound (laughs) so do you are you a painter that started doing graphic design or are you a graphic design person who decided, or did you do all of those? You were a painter, you did graphic design, now you're back to painting. I actually, you know, after a lot of thought on that, I, I think I'm a painter who did graphic design for a living. You know, I, I, from a very young age, I, I wanted to do creative things, and I was drawing, and um, drawn to art, you know, I was the kid who did, oh, you get a choice to write a paper or draw a picture about, you know, that culture. <laughs> oh, great, I get to draw a picture about it. So um, I did have one teacher that let me do that. So, yeah, I mean, I think that is the answer to your question. I, I, I am so thankful to have the graphic design work. But it doesn't bring me the kind of joy that, you know, other art forms do. You must have um, become a very good critic of, I mean, not good in criticism, but being able to work with, like, kids or your own kids or something like that. And when they would show you something... It, oh, must have ref- it must have refined your ability to talk to them about what they created. Uh, yes, but if you talk to my children, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes that wasn't so great. You know, I am always looking at things and, ooh, how could I improve that? Or, you know, do this. Uh, we did uh, val- homemade valentines. 
Oh boy. And uh, <laughs> we got a little carried away. Love is serious. <laughs> yeah. Got a little carried away where, you know, we come up with an idea and then they didn't have the stamina <laughs> to pull it off. <laughs> but I do, you know, we did. I get that every year when I say, I'm going to decorate Christmas cookies. I'm like, no, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, my daughter is very creative, but she could tell you some stories. And Halloween was the other one. I loved making costumes for the kids. And I would say, what do you want to be this year? And then I'd come up with this elaborate plan, you know, and I'd already start buying the materials and figuring it all out. And because they were kids, you know, a week later, they changed their minds. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, nope. Yeah, a little push and pull there too. But <laughs> so kids are like clients. I Definitely. don't know. Like, what do I know? But <laughs> yeah, but you know, there is a little bit of um, you know when like I can't drive by a billboard without critiquing it. Mm-hmm. You know, what did they do that for? Oh, it's hard to you watch. Know? It's hard to watch TV without. I don't know. Yeah. If you feel like that? It's yes. really hard to watch TV. My husband hates watching TV with me because I know all the voiceover people. And I'm like, oh, that's... Oh, my know. goodness. Yeah. Like, oh, please don't know this guy. You know? <laughs> but that's I do. I'm, I'm not fun to watch a movie with because it's... Uh, you know too much. It's, I can see it coming, you know. They, they frame the shot so they can bring in this, you know. Oh, so. yeah. I just watched a great... I don't know if this is good for the podcast you're doing, but... The Making of the Godfather movie. Has anybody seen that? It's called The Offer. I have no, seen that. No, I'd like that. to see that. I never understood what a producer did or does. And Nobody does. I, we don't even, and we were <laughs> producers. Right. Yeah. Until yeah. I watched this, it yeah. was it was very eye-opening for me. It was a good story, too. Well, I, it is really good I can story. tell you that a producer brings donuts and falls over cables. That's what they do. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> this is after they've already... You know, in our case, because Alan and I did it all, you, after you sold the project, wrote the script, <laughs> like, shooting it was like the end of it. We were exhausted. <laughs> yeah, that's what I learned from watching this. It was very, it's a big job. <laughs> I, I thought the part in that, not to go off on too much of a rabbit trail, was how much they hated the author, how much the mob mm. hated the author for, like, peeling it back, mm-hmm. you know, like they were mad. In your, uh, in your notes, you talk about composition, which is very interesting to me. Sometimes I call that balance. Mm-hmm. Um, when I take a photograph, I'm looking for a balance that pleases me. I guess when you're painting or drawing or anything, you're looking for that balance yeah, that, that that makes you feel good, unbalanced within. But I I get to a point sometimes where I've been producing a certain way for a certain client. And I get to the point where I go, aren't you tired of this? I mean, this is my style of doing this. But wouldn't you rather find somebody else to do this a different way? Or is this okay if I keep, you know, asking the questions this way and answering them? Right, You know, right. and editing it together and adding the music that I like and stuff like that. I wonder if soap opera producers feel that way. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, Can my you imagine? God. I mean, we were that, I mean, even within that South Beach situation I was in, you know, we did one book, and then, oh, we're going to do a cookbook. Well, now we're going to do another cookbook. You know, you do. It gets a little old after a while. Right. Yeah, we've been to the beach. But, <laughs> I mean, it sounds like whatever you were doing was working if they... Yeah, but then you start questioning in yourself. Right, or just well, getting a little bored, maybe. You lose sometimes. Yeah. Like you're like, eh, this is the same, but am I... Am I phoning it in or something? Am I phoning it in, or what am I missing? What am I not seeing? Because it always comes up. Like, someone will walk in the room, usually someone from sales, and go, well, why do you do that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you liked it last time. <laughs> Kelly, or Kelly, can I have a lens flare? <laughs> So well, you primarily work in paint, uh, oils, or um, acrylics? Right or? now, I'm, I'm actually painting with acrylic. Um, when I was in school, I learned, you know, I did paint with oil, but I started with acrylic because I didn't know I, I was going to really be doing this, you know, and I thought, well, that's easy. 
It doesn't smell. You know, it's it dries fast. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's why I started with acrylic, and it did become a little bit of a challenge to keep it fluid enough to have any kind of um, like moments in the painting that don't aren't so static. But I I've learned to work with the paint and. There's, oh my, the thing about today is you can learn anything you want to learn. Just go online. Yeah. <laughs> what Jeez. do you do when you have this problem? So, you know, I'm a little isolated in my little garage studio. Um, so I depend on that kind of stuff. But now I've, I've kind of gotten a, vi- a feel for it and I like it. So I'm going to stick with it for a while yeah. with the acrylic. Yeah. So, Carol, I did promise you this hour would go quickly, didn't I? You did. We are about at that time, and I want to leave some time. And Alan brought up um, your first point in our creative toolkit, which is composition is king. But what are some other processes that really kind of guide whatever you're doing, whether professional or or for your personal? Right. Um, well, I think with... Uh, design and with any kind of art form you're doing I would advise people not to be married to your idea Um, that can that can get you in trouble so most of the time when I paint you know I have an idea and then whoa it's it's not turning out like I had it in my mind and you know things are happening and I'm losing control and then instead of I've learned, you know, over time not to stop everything and say that's wrong or bad, you know. What can you do with that in the moment? Maybe it's a good accident that you can um, build on. I mean, pretty much every painting I've ever done isn't what I imagined it was going to be. It, it just kind of evolves. And the fun part is, wow, this is, this is better than I thought it was going to be, or it's yeah. different. and. And don't get hung up, you know, it doesn't look exactly how I wanted it. But then also, don't get too deep into it when you're hating what you're doing. It's just drudgery. Just stop and start over. I've painted over things completely white, started over. Yeah, I think that that's a reasonable. Like somebody freed my mind when they said, Kelly, you're under no obligation to finish every novel you started. And I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> Oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah, that's true. It's because you feel like you're supposed to. You started it. You should finish it. Yeah, you're like I'm so bored. I hate everybody in this book. And you know, like, <laughs> I just, yeah, I I've been there. I'm like, okay, I'm leaving you. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's a good um, analogy to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like this next one. Yeah. You. So, also, I would say you know try to use the best tools that you can afford um it doesn't mean you can't be an artist if you can't afford great supplies but it does make a difference you know and so when my kids were younger I would try to you know go ahead and let them use the good paint or the good paint brushes um it really you know good pigment and a paint makes all the difference you know and true it makes you so. a lot happier. And I think about the first thing I thought when you said that were those crappy little plastic paintbrushes you get in the watercolor sets. Yeah. <laughs> They're good for nothing except for, like, frustration, painting oil on a pipe that's tight. You know? Yeah. <laughs> they don't hold anything. Right. You know, you're trying to paint and nothing's coming out, so. Can't make a pointed line. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's a little process thing. And, um and then just also, like I said, the composition. You can put three dots on a on a piece of paper, and it can be a painting. But it's got to be, the dots need to be in the right spot <laughs> and the right <laughs> value. And, you know, kind of like you're the one leading the, per- the viewer's eye, so how do you want that to be? And is it an uncomfortable balance or is it something you know where that you want them to feel peaceful so that because if you get deep into a painting and then you find out you know the main focus is falling off the page yeah it doesn't matter how great it looks 
Yeah. It's one of the reasons I love photography because I feel like it was the only time I could ever tell the world what I had to say exactly. And they're going to look at it and they're not hearing anybody else's voices because I did that, you know. Right, right. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of ways you can do it. And that's why I spend so much time moving things a quarter inch and, you know, I'm, you know. Yeah, yeah. Until I get it right. It takes a while sometimes. It does. It's very time consuming. <laughs> then you lose the sun. Oh. <laughs> it's That's the true. The worst when you lose the sun. So I'm so glad we had to, we had a chance to, uh, we covered a lot of ground and it went fast, didn't it? I it promised did. you fast. Went very fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, anytime you want to come and talk art with me and Alan. You are more than welcome to come back to the creative yeah, this backstory. Was, this was very, it was fun. Next time we can talk about the Juxtahub B a little more, which design, which is a great logo. Look at it at, at uh, juxtahub.com. <laughs> Thanks, Shay. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun experience. And to see more of Carol's work, you can check out her website at Carol Angstat. That's A N G S T A D T. Dot com. Um, you can go to any bookstore and look up the South Beach Times. Mm. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> but there are 200,000 copies of the Quilter's Ultimate Visual Guide, which I need now need to see. Um, it's a very old book. <laughs> it's a very old book. But, um, you know, and maybe just take some time as you're out looking at, at design to think about, you know, there's somebody there making it and... You know, and that's a uh, that's kind of special in a lot of ways. That's very intentional, which is one of the things we love about art. But thanks for coming in today. Yep, thank, well, you. thank you. This has thanks. been great. We'll see you again on the Creative Backstory. The Creative Backstory is a collaboration between producer Alan Fleming, associate producer Shay Zukowski, and me, Kelly Planer. Our theme song was written and performed by Dave Coyne. Just to let you know, our podcast wouldn't be remotely possible without the support of Juxtahub, Emmaus, Pennsylvania's Arts and Innovation Center, where people from all walks of life gather, create, and grow. The views expressed by our team and our guests are not necessarily those of Juxtahub and may or may not reflect their values. That being said, if you've been inspired by a creative person in your life or have a story about your favorite creative processes, we'd love to hear about it. Contact us at thecreativebackstory at gmail.com.